welcome to Asking Eve, the regular podcast brought to you by Emily and Lara, the mother-daughter duo behind Advancing Eve. Our podcast series will bring you a variety of conversations with girls and women who are just like us and you, making their way through life. We hope you enjoy. So, hi everybody and thanks again for joining us at our Asking Eve podcast. Today, Lara and I have travelled through West and we're absolutely thrilled to be having a chat with Poonam Gupta OBE who's very kindly agreed to chat with us and given us some time in her very busy diary. Uh, So welcome, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Lara and I came through to Glasgow, I think it might have been 2016, 17, I can't even remember, I think Covid has just kind of made the kind of timeline so blurry, but we came through to, to listen to you speaking at an Entrepreneurial Scotland event in Glasgow. And you opened telling a, a really lovely story about your romantic notions of the, the Scottish rain. Uh, would you mind sharing that story with our listeners? Sure. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I um, was born and brought up in Delhi and came through to Scotland in 2002. And when I came over here, you know, it was, I used to think the weather was lovely. It used to rain all the time. And Delhi, in contrast, can be really hot, especially in summer. And I thought, and in India, you know, these rains are kind of associated with a romantic feeling, if you like, you know, nice weather, nice mood. But after six months of being here, one day I turned around and asked my family, when does it stop raining? (laughs) That's when the reality set in. But I absolutely love it here. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think I was interested uh, about that as well, because... um, you know, you've built this um, multi-million pound international business and you're settled in this quiet little nook in Scotland. So you really love it here, yeah? I grew up in Delhi and Delhi is a very busy city. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, coming here, it's quiet and if you want it to be busier, you go towards Glasgow, yeah. Edinburgh. I guess, you know, it's the right mix of how one yeah. feels like and it is so scenic and beautiful with the Clyde River. I, I absolutely love it here. Yeah, I'm quite embarrassed to admit this is the first time I've been Yeah. <laughs> when we came round the corner and we saw the estuary, I was like, oh wow, it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, so uh, thinking about your, your journey and you moved to Scotland, uh, you were really very highly educated and you had uh, you have your MBA. Um, but when you got to Scotland, you often talk about struggles that you've uh, faced in trying to find work. And um, talk us through that. You know, strong-minded, independent, highly educated women that couldn't find work. How did how did you overcome that? How did it make you feel? I came over. Um, I think finally moved here in October two thousand two, and. Having lost my mother suddenly back in India very quickly after my marriage and that hit me hard. So when I came back, I wasn't actually in the best of places in my head. And one thing I realized that the only way to overcome that was staying busy and I started looking for a job. Uh And I couldn't find one because most of the places I'd go to, they'd tell me either I was overqualified or I had no experience in the UK. And I guess I just didn't want to give up. I was ready to work anywhere. I was willing to work at Tesco till flower shop, just wanted to keep myself busy. But I, I have always been a keen reader. 
So I started doing research and started thinking, I'm not going to just sit around doing nothing. How can I keep myself busy? And that's when, you know, my first business, which was actually uh, a locum company uh, that was formed where I was placing pharmacists in various hospitals. Mm -hmm. And I think that started end of 2002 already. Wow, so quite quickly then. So you'd gone through that whole cycle really quite quickly. And the... the, um, not knowing the UK market, I mean, did that feel like a valid uh, reason for you for like, you know, not getting a job? Not really, mm. because, you know, when you're born and brought up in a different country, India, you know, it's a large population. The competition is very high uh-huh. for any job. You can have thousands of applications. Yeah. And I did have a job in India. Uh-huh. So for me, UK actually felt really easy. Yeah. You know, not that much population. I thought, oh, it wouldn't be a problem. I'll yeah. have jo- land a job. But now when I look back, perhaps it was a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. I am a very keen learner and I do like to challenge myself. I think even if I had found the job, I don't know how long that job would have been able to keep me. Yeah, definitely. Or or you might have just tried to go for CEO of the company that you were employed in. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so you started up your own business as a response to not being able to find a job. Do you think that that was something you wanted to do or do you think it was somewhat forced by your inability, like by the fact that you couldn't find work in the UK? I would say it was a combination of both. Mm. Uh, I do come from a business family. My father uh, is a businessman and I guess I had seen him growing up, you know, trying to run a business, although I was never really heavily involved in that. But, you know, you hear your parents talking on the phone, talking about their work. That is something I would say I always wanted to do. But then I wanted to do a lot of things. I wanted to be a pilot at one point. (laughs) I wanted to be a politician, administrative officer, I guess, but you know, business did interest me. And and when I couldn't find anything, that just felt like at least something that I should try. Mm-hmm. You know, there were only two options. What was there to lose anyway? I was starting from a point where I had nothing to lose. Yeah, definitely. That's funny thinking about um, what we all had all wanted to be when we were young. I was just thinking on the drive through. I remember in early high school, I wanted to be a choreographer, but I've got zero rhythm. So I mean, that was never <laughs> going to work. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I would consider myself a forced entrepreneur. I, I started my business in 2017 and it was sort of similar circumstances. So we live in rural Scotland and I left my job and there are no jobs of a certain level uh, where we live. You have to commute up to Edinburgh and I didn't want to commute. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just start my own business. Um, I mean, obviously that was pre-COVID, but I understand that the kind of research that's coming out as we're coming through COVID seems to indicate that women are being much more adversely impacted as a result of COVID. And a lot of them are being forced into um, starting their own business as a means of just providing for their family. If you could give any advice to any of our listeners who who are thinking about starting their own business, what would you say? I think you're more qualified to give that advice since (laughs) you've done that yourself. What I would say is that, you know, their research is very important. If you really want to do something, start from a point of that you can do it. You know, have that confidence in your ability. 
nobody needs to learn business when they are young it's not a skill that you know you need to definitely learn when you're young when i came to the uk who did i know i i didn't know anybody yeah. it was a new com- country for me i didn't know how to start a business here but then you know i did my research i found organizations who could help me yeah. organizations even like business gateway and scottish enterprise who gave me a lot of support i would say learning support i had to learn everything from scratch you can say so from my point of view i'm somebody who moved here uh-huh. you know and if i can do it i think anybody who's born and brought up here who already understand the culture the language yes. you know all of that is already with you yes. uh, then you know it's just a case of do your research properly and do not think that any business needs a lot of investment to start yes. look at smaller opportunities but look at something and try and start somewhere yeah yeah so there are always challenges whether it be a new culture or a covid pandemic there are always going to be challenges and i th- i think what you're saying is just do your homework take small steps and look for support and and take it where it's offered i think sometimes um there's an apprehension around taking support because it might be indicative of a of a weakness uh so sometimes people might shy away from that but i think that's certainly something that i've learned that nobody knows everything do they and it's a, it's the smart thing to do to kind of leverage with people that do know more than you do yeah um yeah well that's good so hopefully that then that there will be some people who reassure someone yeah reassured. yeah yeah so um returning to your time um before you came over to scotland um we're really interested in talking about stories from different backgrounds and different cultures um in india social mobility is something that's quite different isn't it what is 2021 like for girls and women who have aspirations in india at the moment india is very different now when uh, you know i was growing up things were different nowadays girls are getting educated and they want to be financially independent and there is more support from the society in general okay whereas when i was growing up that was not the case no. you know the girls were more you can say uh, wanted you know to be um groomed i don't know if that's the right word but uh, they were more expected to be you know home yes uh, yes makers and look after your children look after your family let your husband does the earning he's the breadwinner things are changing and i'm glad that they are i'm i very very strongly believe that you know girls need to have their financial independence or at least the right education or skills whatever you want to call mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. to be able to do so when they are ready yeah but that should be a choice with them yes. not should not something that should be you know told or you know is forced, forced on them by the society yeah definitely oh it's good to hear that you feel that it's improving anyway i think that you know we always support aspirations with girls and and women of any age don't we so yeah. and do you think then having lived in both cultures so um in india that was a, a very overt culture um did you see any similarities in scotland where it was harder for girls or women to achieve but it was maybe more hidden within society because we are meant to be more open and and free that's a very good question actually this part realizing this gender inequality in the western world in scotland actually took me a while really when i came over i used to think girl power women are equal everybody is working 
and I used to really like that. But yes. you know, as you know, I made friends and got to know people more. My children started going to school. Mm-hmm. I realized that actually things are not as rosy as I thought that yes. they were. Yes. You know, we've been very openly talking about a, a pay gap due to you know if somebody is a female or a male gender inequality i would say there women especially after having their mat leave you know struggle to progress in their career because it puts them back in certain mm-hmm. professions mm-hmm. with you know couple of years and then they i have seen my own friends losing confidence who were in very high places before really and and they find it difficult to get back in job and again, as a CEO in my company, I take this very seriously. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm very proud to say I've had, I've had women I've supported through, you know, that young stage where, you know, their children were younger and, you know, help them build their confidence back up mm-hmm. or women coming from different backgrounds and wanting to work in a completely different area with yeah. no prior experience. Yeah. But, you know, I, all I looked for in them at the time was the willingness to learn and that hunger to succeed yes. and as long as they have that it doesn't matter whether men or women alike but you know I guess girls suffer a little bit more because there are certain hidden you know social pressures on yeah, them yeah. as well as a mother I've been asked I guess in the past sometimes you know that oh you're so busy where do you have time for your children and I take these comments sometimes you know they can hurt and I take them personally mm-hmm. because a man doesn't get asked that because he's expected to do that. But I think I'm very proud of my girls. I used to travel with them when they were younger mm-hmm. on business trips. Uh, from I think day my when my first was one was only seven days old. That's when she went for first business <laughs> meeting <laughs> with it. me. Love so it. you can say that I never shied away yeah. from challenging the norms or even questioning them. Mm-hmm. And only I believe if we do that we'll be able to make change for, you know, the new generation to come through and they don't face that challenges. I remember being in China in a big board meeting when my daughter was one year, one month old, sitting in a pram in a corner with 18 people Uh in the boardroom. And, you know, there was no, there was like no ill feeling from them or, you know, any... Uh, they were not uncomfortable that there was a child sitting in a boardroom. She just played in the corner quietly. And when she made noise, somebody came and took her away for a little trip around the paper mill. Oh, really? So I think, you know, and now I hear stories about women doing that more. Yes. You know, the fact is that we have different challenges, Mm -hmm. you know, and as long as we understand and support our community as women and men as well, you know, I think these Things can become, become very normal in the future. Yeah, yeah. And um, of the 18 people in the boardroom, was there a few I was women, the only woman. You were the only woman. And still... And my daughter. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and still they were quite relaxed about it. I'm really surprised. Yeah. But that's brilliant, though. You actually made a very good point before. You said, you know, I think the, the summary I took away from that, what you were trying to say, is if you don't ask, you don't get. And trust me, that's a golden rule in my diary. Yes. Yeah. I do not believe that I know everything. I have no shame in learning. Mm-hmm. I, in, in fact, I said this before, I thrive on learning. Yeah. Anything new, I'm excited. And mm-hmm. that's why I have very varied business interests because everything new teaches me something that I didn't know before. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about challenging the norms. Or, for example, when I went to China, I called ahead 
and I said to the CEO, he wanted to see me. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I've got a one-year-old daughter. I want to come out, but I'm still breastfeeding and I'd like to bring her with me. And he said, okay. It was a perhaps a d- different ask and nobody asked him this before. But now that I've asked, uh-huh. he'll not be surprised in the future. And they were very accommodating. And that's not the only meeting she did with me. <laughs> in her first year of her life, I think she had over 18 business trips with me around the world. <laughs> She was my backpack and I loved every yes. moment of that. And when I tell her stories about that, she loves it too, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. so that's the best training she's ever going to get for becoming CEO of her own organization. <laughs> well, I hope so. Other women in your company, you'll want to treat them the way that you would have wanted to be treated. Do you think that that's the key to kind of changing the pattern for the future? Is the management working it down or do you think employees ought, need to ask as well or... Again, that's a very good question and I'll say it should work both ways. As a female entrepreneur and a business owner and a CEO, I understand a challenge a woman faces. But it wouldn't be fair that the same is expected from a male entrepreneur or a CEO. So I think that's when it becomes important that if an employee needs certain support, that they ask for it, Mm -hmm. you know, just to... Mm -hmm. Again, I have a golden, another golden another rule. Right. I have lots of we them. We need to write these <laughs> I have, down. I have lots of them. <laughs> I say that, you know, never be, never take anything for granted mm. or assumed. You know, always ask. If you don't ask, again, goes back to the same point. You don't get. If you don't tell, you know, your team or your management or your manager, what do you need in yes. terms of support? You don't expect them to know. No. And, oh, and don't be scared to ask because sometimes... You know, when organizations know, they are more than happy to support. But if they don't know and we harbor grudges against them, my company doesn't do this, my company doesn't do that, because you're scared to ask, because you're scared to lose your job. If it doesn't work for you, you're going to lose that job, whether you resign or the company, you know, throws you out anyway. So might as well go ahead and ask Ask. and see what support you can get. definitely. That reminds me of a story um, Cheryl Sandberg mentioned in um, her book when she was talking about when she was pregnant with her first child and the car park at Facebook was obviously massive and she was parked miles away from the door and it was a good walk for her and she actually kind of went to Mark and said, oh, can pregnant ladies have the parking spaces closer to the office? And he's like, yeah, of course, because he's never going to have to carry a child so he's never going to have known that. But I think... Absolutely, it's 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 a very good golden rule just to kind of ask and see where it gets you. You yes. know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, perfect. Um, okay, so you've already touched on female financial independence, and it's something that's really important to me because I don't know if I've said this in previous podcasts or not, but um, I completely ignored my own financial independence. So Lara and I's dad have been together since I was fifteen, and he was sixteen, and he's just always taken charge of everything and I think when I left my job to start up I suddenly became really aware of how exposed I was and not having my own financial independence um so you think that it's uh, important to you've already said was that a driver for you when you know you were thinking about the business were you was it in your mind well I want to know that I'm going to be financially independent or was it more about just business success There are certain things I've realized about myself when, you know, as I'm growing up, when I was younger, I'll tell you a quick story. I used to, men used, like I said, you know, in India, in the Indian society used to be the breadwinners. They would own businesses or work in offices and they had stay home wives. 
but sometimes my dad would tell me stories about how somebody's husband died and now she's dependent upon her extended family yeah. or you know now she was expected you know to run her husband's business to provide for her family uh-huh. some of these things i saw happening in my own family and my father used to always say that you know one must get educated enough mm-hmm. so if the need arises mm-hmm. you can work and be financially independent mm-hmm. and again something i used to go back and say to my father why only when the need arises yeah, yeah, so i guess you know that drive mm-hmm. to be financially independent to be financially independent came from there you know seeing people around me seeing women around me seeing sometimes they're suffering when they had lost the major earning member you know their husband or whoever it was and then i guess the hard times they had to go through after that not having control of their own finances yeah, yeah. i think that gave me that driving force that i feel even i think that feeling of the fact that women should be financially independent will never change i tell my girls don't look for a prince charming you be that <laughs> princess charming yes I, I, absolutely i've said that to you quite often as well you know just always make sure that you're you're yeah, all right because i think own. that you when you realized oh i'm not really financially independent you kind of encouraged me sooner to yeah, be financially yeah. independent and i've always well mean you dad we've always worked you know from as soon as it's legal to have a job and I don't think you've ever encouraged us no. not to work so and have earn our own money and yeah. plus the satisfaction of owning your own money beats getting it getting from someone else energy, it's not the same yeah. Yeah. yeah when you get your little paycheck it's uh-huh. a very different feeling to anything else so when Lara was how old were you when you went to Borders College so she did a little evening course so that she could do gel nails for people I don't know, maybe what, 14 or 15? So then I used to have all these people come into the house and she had a little nail bar set up. <laughs> and, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I think if we can encourage any of our younger listeners to be mindful of financial independence, because, do you know, it's maybe not taught in schools, it's not talked enough in schools. I mean, it was never, never. ever mentioned to me yeah, at school. Yeah, so. so if we can kind of champion that cause, that would be, that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, so going back to your business, you started a recruitment business before you moved on to paper. What kind of pushed that move and what made you decide to, you know, go forward more with the, your uh, current business? I was always, even as a child, keen on traveling and the other cultures, countries or, and knowing about them always excited me. Mm-hmm. So I always, you can say once I decided on having my own business, I wanted to build something international so I could also learn about various cultures, how to work in in different environments with different people. And that's why I think when I, I, I did start with recruitment, but that was my first business venture. But then I started playing with other ideas uh, and I just realized, or you can say saw an opportunity which could be in international business. Yeah. And that's why I... First, I worked on that opportunity and let the other business still run side by side. Uh-huh. And then I made the switch. switch. So it's interesting um, that you built your business not only around you know profit, but also the fact that you wanted to be able to experience different cultures, travel, international. And I think that's something that's you can't get with a job as yeah. much. You can't mold it to what you need yeah. and want. 
as much, which is quite interesting. But that's a really nice uh, driver as well. And it's, I had not read that or heard that before. Um, but it's a nice thought that you are, your thinking was so broad when you were making this business, you know, this future for yourself. And you've, you've talked as well about the kind of um, strategy of being international and how it's a bit, it can be quite defensive in that if one market drops away, you know, you've always got your eggs spread in different baskets almost. Is that, is that kind of come to fruition for you? Do you feel that that's been, been a good approach? Professionally, uh, in my career, I'd say we've gone through obviously 19 years of career as the CEO, founder of PG Paper which is now working in over 60 countries. Wow. So you can imagine, you know, we've opened these countries, have faced challenges of various uh, levels, you know, or various, yes, you know, types in these countries. And the fact is that, you know, we've gone through as a whole, you know, globally, through one of the toughest times through COVID-19. Yeah. And we are still standing, we're still here, we're still in nice offices. Yes. Shows that international business does bring a huge... Uh, resilience yes. and sustainability and that's why I am a big 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 believer in internationalizing uh, your business uh -huh. if one market doesn't perform well you can chop okay. and change yeah, yeah. if one product doesn't perform well you can chop and change and I think that that's why you know this approach kind of really excites me you know about look at Marks and Spencer you know, maybe they are known for more food here, but in other countries around the world, mm -hmm. they are still very well known for their clothing, the clothing. brand. Yes, so this yes. kind of shows you how, you know, being spread, spread the portfolio uh, yes. helps with the, both sustainability and brings resilience to yes, your business. Yes. Is it intimidating though? Are you, are, have you ever entered a market that's been particularly resistant or has presented really significant barriers and and have you ever been intimidated and thought oh, I'm just going to withdraw or are you like no nah, I'm up for the fight let's go for it see I made a move once when I left India and came to Scotland mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody and I believe you know if you can do that once you can do as many amount of time as you want working in different markets for me is just an extension of that yes. every market comes with a new learning new experiences, learning to work with the people there, understand them. Yeah. And I teach my team as well, take an open approach. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get intimidated. Some countries are very aggressive with the way they talk. But I try and arm my team with the skills to understand, not to take it personally. Yeah. And it is just the way they respond. Yes, yes. You know, they don't mean you any harm. So I don't think I am, I think being in the business now for so long and overcoming so many personal and professional challenges. I don't think that I am an, a woman who gets easily intimidated no. by anything. No, I think that's great. So the key golden rule for me here is I need to leave the Scottish borders more often. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't leave enough. The fact you've never been here before kind of indicates. Before, so that pretty much says it all, yeah. Um, so you mentioned, so you started with only £1,000 funding from Business Gateway. Um, how challenging was that to build your business from such a small investment? It was obviously challenging starting a business in a new place. You yeah. know, like I said, it was a lot of self-learning and starting a business with zero money mm -hmm. was even more cha more challenging. But that required a little bit of thinking, you know, tweaking some supply chains, working out mm -hmm. how... I can pay my suppliers before 
I get uh, paid. Yeah, yeah. How, how I can pay my suppliers, yes, before I get paid. How do I create that value addition that customers would want to pay me before? And I think once I worked that golden rule out, <laughs> um, I, I wasn't worried or afraid, you know, I, I knew what, what I was going mm. to do. And I was, I think there I'd like to say a very key important lesson is research like I talked about research before you know one should always do their homework really well every mm. time I went to pitch in for a contract I made sure that I knew about whatever I was doing back to front whether yeah. I learned from the internet whether I called up an organization to teach me but I made sure I was completely equipped with the knowledge that I needed so if somebody asked me a question then I would have an answer yeah, yeah. and that would mean that then they would take me seriously absolutely so I think that was something that also helped beside money yeah so you would do really well on Dragon's Den so we often watch Dragon's Den and the dragons will ask a question and they don't know the answer and we're always shouting at the TV going why would you not know this information before you go on Dragon's Den and <laughs> um, so why paper though I mean it doesn't it's not the first product that would spring to mind for a female entrepreneur and it sounds a bit random so how did that come about well uh, back in 2002 2003 uh, recycling was the buzzword everybody was talking about recycling you know how they're going green reducing the carbon footprint and like i said as a keen reader i used to read about this quite a lot and then i saw some opportunity there I thought you know perhaps I could collect the waste from here which could be recycled in India and other countries yeah and and that's where you know that I started basically you can say transforming that idea and eventually ended up in paper where there were certain manufacturers or traders who had these excess stocks that they had no use for yeah. which would potentially end up in a landfill and they were paying money to put that product in the ground mm. and that product could be an asset for somebody else sitting thousands of miles away and he could reuse it yeah. so I basically you can cha say change recycling into reusing yeah and that's how the business of paper was born you're a total trailblazer then you're well ahead of your time <laughs> I think learning helps yeah. reading helps yeah yeah, yes. yeah okay because I think there's a if you can sort of um read between the lines sometimes you know you obviously do the research but you must be able to read between the lines and kind of um, identify opportunity and what's being presented to you a lot of that came about by talking to a lot of people yeah, yeah. so once my mind was set and I was doing my research again you know I never shied about from picking up the phone and asking the question paper industry still remains a yeah. highly male dominated yeah. industry with very few women entrepreneurs um, or business owners in this in this field but I think I kind of got the right side of it when initially when I started people were just curious what is this little girl you know doing in this industry you know yeah, yeah. so I think I kind of got you can say the positive side people were more keen to keen. teach me and I was keen to I was asking the questions yes. and it was only very few times I got a knockback saying, well, find out for yourself. You know, most of the people were quite happy to tell me what I needed yeah. to know. And that's where I feel, and I've learned with time, mentoring can be really important for yeah. a young or budding entrepreneur, yes. whatever age they might be. Because you might not know it all, but somebody who's already in the industry can actually help you fill the gaps and fill the gaps with yeah. your learning. Yeah. No, um, we're total advocates of mentoring as well, aren't we? Uh, we're part of the Scottish Mentoring Network and we're keen to offer mentoring to any 
of our eves as we call them who irrespective of what they want to do with their lives you know because i do think you're right you can gain so much from having an unbiased perspective sometimes just to challenge the thinking yeah. yes yeah no i agree we both have mentors and i don't think anyone is wouldn't benefit from mentoring yeah. no matter how yeah. successful yeah. you are so it's, has it grown beyond your wildest expectations and or do you ever sort of think wow, I don't know where this is going to end. I'm just going to keep going and, and see where it takes me. When I started in the business, I remember I had a business plan with Business Gateway. And I think it was about £250,000 in the first year. And I did that in two months. No way. So I, when I used to go back for review, you know, and you know, when they would be so excited about what I had achieved, I knew it was, you can say, a reassurance that I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. I think I knew very quickly mm -hmm. that, you know, I, so the first milestone was once I crossed the 650,000, I think that was a turnover I did in the first year of business. I knew the next one was 2 million. Yeah. And that was still when I was work, working by myself. Uh -huh. But at that time, I knew the potential because by that time, I was like having repeat deals. I had suppliers calling me. I had customers calling me. So I knew that, you know, the next milestone I had set up for myself was five, then mm -hmm. 10, then 20, then 50. So I guess I kind of had it all planned out in my head. I am um, by nature. Obviously, it was different when I started. I was young and I was perhaps not that confident as I come across maybe today because I came from a different country, was still learning the culture, didn't have many friends. Yeah. Uh, but I was not as confident a girl you know, when I came to Scotland, as you might think that I'm today. Yeah. But with learning and doing, I think that confidence came. Yes. And I do say that, you know, ambition is a positive word. I'm highly ambitious. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm highly ambitious, but I've never really chased after money. No. I believe if you do something well, and the money will follow yes. itself. Yeah. It's just about challenging myself. You can actually see that in the way that you talk about it because you mention two, five, ten, twenty, fifty millions of pounds like it's just an arbitrary number because actually in some regards it possibly is because it's not the number that defines you, is it? It's it's what you're building and what you're creating and what you're developing that really drives you. Absolutely. Yeah, you yes. can that really comes across. And I really quite like that. I think that um people can get so hung up on a number, can't they? Um, and, you know, but what you're doing has, you know, the, the sustainability element, which is good. What we talk about often is the, it's not about the number, it's about the, the purpose or the impact, impact how yeah. who we can help on the way. Um, so it's quite nice that it's, there are other people in that thinking, same thinking. Um, so me and my mum worked together. Um, we started Advancing Eve as business partners and with that there are challenges um, <laughs> there's a kind of personal and professional dynamic that you kind of need to balance and we argue maybe a little bit too much but um so you work with your husband how do you find that and do you have similar kind of personal um professional differences like me and my mum maybe experience um we are I think over the years we've I, I started that this business and I requested him to join the business because I knew the potential in the business when I was expecting my first child. Uh -huh. And he gave me six months and he said that, you know, he he obviously, he, he had a really good job at the time and he wasn't willing to give up. I said, give me six months mm -hmm. and I'll prove it to you that this is worth it. So I think over the years, we've kind of grown to respect and each other's 
thinking you know each other, we we can think differently sometime but that's when we give each other space and yeah. we believe that you know the other person will take the right decision that it suits them i do more of international stuff he does more of the uk like domestic and european so mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense because he's born and brought up here ah, okay yeah as long as we understand that mm-hmm. you know um what one is after we might not agree all the time and we don't <laughs> you know but as long as you know the other person knows okay leave them alone now it's for the it's their decision yeah. it kind of works out all right it's not or i will just tell him this is the way it's going to be uh, <laughs> i love it lara's dad um has his own business as well and people often say why do you not work with him i'm like we just couldn't at all he's well, he's far too messy for a start which would drive me crazy but yeah my mum's very ocd and my dad is very much the opposite <laughs> so the two <laughs> would never work yeah so i totally take my hat off to you and being able to do that <laughs> um so kind of uh, flipping from the professional to the personal you experienced a, a a real challenge in 2006 when you were really seriously ill with a life-threatening autoimmune disease I mean that having read about that it sounds horrendous how did that impact you and and, you know how were you able to kind of push through and still still go with what you've all achieved my daughter was one year at the time and I was pregnant with my other child yeah and uh, I didn't know what was really wrong with me apart from the fact that I had a really swollen foot and I was quite unwell and very heavily pregnant Mm -hmm. or get was getting there um, I think my will to live was my my one year old daughter. Yeah. Uh, she was the main reason because I had lost, lost my mother su- suddenly. I didn't. I I think that kind of ignited that will to fight, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you like, for or sur- for survival. Yeah. Uh, the good thing is that you know I still loved at that time what I did in terms of my business. Yeah. That kept me busy. Yeah. So between my daughter and my business, I really didn't have time to dwell no. on my illness or think how unwell I was. But at one point I did decide to write my will because I was in my head preparing to die as yeah. much as I didn't want to. Yeah. And I, I think that's a life-changing experience for anybody. Yeah. You know, you. the good thing is because I was so busy, irrespective of whatever I was going through uh-huh. you know a, a young mother is anyway really busy running around your one-year-old child and meeting their needs looking after them then I had a young business both yes. of them combined yeah. hardly gave me any time to think about myself which I think really helped me yeah, yeah. Uh, not going into a bla- bad place in my head and I think once the treatment started and the doctors found out you know it was a big relief mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, and 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 that has now made me of course, that changed me as a person. I hope for better. And I just think that life can be too short and so yeah. unpredictable. I want to give it a good go yeah. and see what is achievable. If we, have, if we have one lifetime, I want to see what can, yeah. I can achieve. So do you think that that thinking was reinforced with illness or would you have already had that mindset anyway? Because you sound like you're just such a positive force anyway. Do you think being so unwell really impacted on that? Yes, it did impact yeah. on that. Uh, definitely, it had a huge impact on how I looked at life. It wasn't my first big personal challenge. My first one was, of course, losing my mother so suddenly. But this one kind of just reiterated that thinking that life is so short, so yeah. unpredictable. 
we should give it at least try give it a good bash and see how yes, we are going to do yeah. a lot of people would come and say when we are in our difficult times life is not easy mm-hmm. but it was not meant to be easy no absolutely such is life and yeah, i think we should yes. just carry forward and see what happens yeah definitely yeah so you mention your daughters quite a lot do you think that you've experienced any challenges due to your gender ethnicity that you would hope that they don't have to experience in, in certain lifetime? countries yes i mean i talked about my experience of traveling as yeah. a young mother to various meetings and i i think that you know if we have more role models more people speaking up uh, for gender equality whether it's male or females when 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 we have more bigger companies understanding the requirement of working women and you know trying to give them that support they require that by the time the next generation comes through they will not face the same challenges yeah do you talk to them about the challenges that you experienced and how you know to prepare because some things may still exist like challenges my mum may have experienced I might be experiencing now and she could tell me about them and how to deal with them do you do that in preparation or are you trying to just really hope that they won't encounter them enough my girls they love my stories you know and I tell them I tell a lot of them you know of course I travel so much and you know so I tell them all of that and I think that they take in but they also see that in real life yeah you know during this covid period again once again i was working for home for prolonged periods mm-hmm. of time and they hear the conversations and they can see what is going on yeah. whether it's for good or bad sometimes and they form their opinion but i think that's helping them develop as stronger individuals i would think that they would challenge yeah. you know the the norms if you like if we have to change them that i would hope that they would challenge them too as i challenge them yes. continuously well, yeah, how you're old their are role they models. your daughters just now now they're 14 and 16 ah okay yeah so just at that right age then yeah. <laughs> yes uh, okay so uh, we're just coming towards the end of our chat and we cannot possibly finish without talking about your OBE uh, which you received in 2017 for your services to business and charity obviously both are really close to your heart but I would like to focus on your recent charity work in supporting communities in India to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic I mean you know as a Scottish woman watching that footage you 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 were breaking your heart so I cannot only imagine you know how you must have felt how has that um, impacted impacted on you I think I generally don't take anything very personally even if you ask my team or people who know me I am very laid back by nature most of the time but when you see your own family mm-hmm. struggling your friends struggling you hear about somebody dying every single minute yeah it can get hard for anybody it was similar to i would say what we were facing last year in the uk okay. yeah, yeah and it became really personal and these oxygen concentrators were required in india india was running out of oxygen and you know with so much business experience behind me myself and my team mm. and having so many different offices I just decided that I had to do something. I wasn't going to sit back and think, no. "Oh, I'm helpless." There was something I could do and I just went for it. Yeah. And and I'm glad that I did. Even though to be very honest at the time the situation was so dire no matter what you did, didn't feel enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still glad that at least I could 
do whatever I could do and apply all my knowledge and my team skills yeah. to deliver those essential equipment to India and we are still doing it. Yeah, well, I'm sure um, there are very many grateful people in India anyway for irrespective of how helpless you felt you will have helped many many people I'm sure so I think that's great um, and it's quite nice that it was your home nation as well you know because I'm sure it sounds like if there had been any country in the world that you could have helped you would have gone and helped but I think when it's when it's home for you it's it's got even more impact it's home it's family it's people yeah. you know and even if you don't know those people yeah. when you get we were get I, I was getting SOS calls from people I didn't know how they were finding the number how they were finding out or the wider network yeah and it was heartbreaking you know to see how people are dying because of lack of oxygen the hospitals are desperate the doctors are desperate yeah. and a lot of my friends are doctors and it just felt like you know sometimes it felt like the calling you know that they you have to do something about it uh-huh. and I think I think that was the reason I did it yeah. and and to be fair I have since then sent oxygen to Nepal as well and if you follow uh, the social media I have been saying to people that if anybody else needs any other mm-hmm. help in any other country yes please let me know because we've done this now we know how yes. it is it is done so if Thanks I can do it for India exactly. I can do it for anybody yeah, yeah definitely well done thank you it shows a lot of yeah a lot of um, determination resilience to want to keep helping mm. do you ever have days where you just wake up or you you know you reach lunchtime and you just don't want to do anything and you just kind of feel a bit deflated and demotivated with everything yes we all have those days <laughs> I'm so glad you said yes to that I was almost sure you'd say no, no I'm we all remiss. have we, we we all have those days where you know, you question everything, why mm-hmm. you're doing what you're doing. And, but that's where, you know, the way I come out of that mindset, I have realized about myself that I need a purpose, yes. whether it's, you know, and I need to see to completion, mm-hmm. whether it was sending oxygen to India, whether it was starting my company, whether it's mentoring somebody, starting another business or, you know, helping anybody with some anything else. It's a purpose and I need to be busy with yes. some purpose. When I'm not busy, I am with my girls and I really enjoy the time I spend with them. And I, when I'm in a place which is, or maybe something is troubling me, I try to go back in history mm-hmm. and remind myself, first of all, why did I do what I did? Yeah. Where am I? Where do I want to be? How am I going to get there? Yeah. Am I the person still which is skilled enough if I'm feeling like that, you know, able to realize the ambition that I want? And if the answer is no, then dust up, get up and get going. Yeah, because that's so good, you know, because I often will think, oh, I can't do this anymore or whatever. But actually those four questions to ask yourself I'm going to listen back to this podcast and write those down <laughs> and, and have them on a post-it note on my desk and, and make sure that I ask them too. <laughs> um, so you give a lot of interviews. Um, is there ever a question that you wish you had been asked that no one ever has? And if so, do you want to answer that question for us? Um, I've been asked a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> I don't know or don't think I have a favorite question, but sometimes people ask me, Oh, you're so successful. What does it feel like? Um, I, in my own head, do not consider myself to be 
so successful that I don't know what it feels like. For me, it is still a journey. Yeah. It's ongoing. And I think only in my final moments when I'll reflect back <laughs> on life, I will be able to answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good answer. <laughs> yes. Do you want to do the last two? Okay, yeah. So um, if you could speak to your 10-year-old self, uh, what would you tell young Poonam? My 10-year-old self was very wild. Oh, really? Still very entrepreneurial. Uh -huh. And she still challenged everything that she didn't like. So I will just go ahead and tell her, you're doing just fine, girl. Keep doing the same thing. Perfect. I love that too. <laughs> and uh, just to wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, I'd like to say that um, for any people who want to be business owners or entrepreneurs, one thing that you need to understand is the most difficult place is to start. Yes. You know, if you have an idea, doubt kill, kills more businesses, you know, than they were ever, you know, the, then, you know, if you're going to start with something and you need to, one needs to also understand to have a successful business, one doesn't need a lot of money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as long as you budget wisely, mm -hmm. do your research, research properly beyond friends and family, yeah. just because you think you have a good idea, that might not be a good idea. Yeah. But you might have a good idea, then refine it with people beyond your comfort yes, zone. Definitely. And success always comes when you actually go beyond your comfort zone. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I'm not just saying that, I actually truly believe it. That's so nice and uh, to hear actually because I, you know we talked before we started recording about relatability and how we had we had seen you and I, you know I absolutely was looking at the stage going oh my god she's she's so far beyond me I could never achieve but actually to hear you say that you think that you know you're just the same as everybody else you do the hard work you do the research and if you can do it anybody can do it I think that's a really lovely um, Message, thought to, yeah. to leave to close with today so Poonam Gupta OBE thank you very much for your time today it's been excellent it's thank you very it much. has been an absolute pleasure and I wish you both all the success as well Welcome to Asking Eve, the regular